At CD Media, we are literally the tip of the spear. From Ukraine to the vaccine to Brazil, we've been at the tip of the spear on all these stories early. So if you want to know what's going on in the world early, before the rest of the news catches up, watch CD Media. But you know what? We have to make money. So we do have ads on the sites. But I know people don't like pop-up ads. They don't like ads. It's a problem. I mean, you get them on your phone, et cetera. If you don't like ads, you can sign up for our no ad subscription, which is a few bucks a month. You get access to all of our sites, not just CD Media, but the Manhattan, the Miami Independent, the Connecticut Sentinel, the Georgia Record, Armed Forces Press, Tsarism overseas in Eastern Europe, and CDM Espanol if you speak Spanish. So all of these sites are available with no ads. So sign up for our no ad subscription. You can find it on the websites. There's a pop-up and also in the top menu. And, and pay us a few bucks a month. Support free media. Support your children's future. Support the fight against the corrupt media narrative. Thank you very much. And now let's get to our guest. Welcome back to American Conversations. Today, we're honored to have Brendan Millett and Kip Hendershot, who are uh, employees at United. They're plaintiffs in a case against United, their board, their CEO, for their COVID policies. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you, Christine. All right. So, Brenda, let's start with you. You have been um, almost, th- I guess it's just over 30 years as a flight attendant at United. And you applied for a religious exemption back in 2021. What happened? Yeah, so I started um, in 1993 with Continental. Um, after 19 years, we merged um, in, into United. So I just am in my 30th year now. Um, I had to seek out a religious exemption as I was actually on a plane um, coming out of Rome when I got an email saying that um, they, vaccines were going to be mandatory and um, started to do my own research because I had a lot of concern about um, taking this experimental drug that hadn't, you know, had a lot of testing yet. And so I um, did some research. I had to seek out a religious exemption. It wasn't something the company was making obvious that was, was an avail- availability. And I also, from prior work, um, I had done some medical clinics in Africa and um, in Central America, and I had to take some vaccines before I traveled there, and I had some adverse reactions. So um, when I did my research, I found out that there was a religious and a medical exemption, but the company only offered one. They said, you can't have both. And um, I honestly felt like I qualified for both, but made a choice um, that my religious convictions um, would be the route that I took to um, avoid having to um, give up any part of um, who I was as an individual, my God-given rights to autonomy of my own body and that sort of thing. So um, I had to jump through a lot of hoops. Uh, For instance, uh, I had to prove that I was um, a person of faith um, in a way that I don't think any other protected group at 
the airlines had to. No one who has a specific sexual orientation or anyone that um, has a specific race has to actually put paperwork forward to prove that. So um, there's a lot of hoop jumping and um, a lot of prayer that went into that. And eventually it was approved for it. Brenda, I want to back up a little bit. When you said that they, they, put, you, they put you through a lot of hoops, explain to the audience what exactly happened. Um, so we had very specific deadlines. Um, and we had to had to get a recommendation, if you will, someone that we had known for a while that was um, could could attest to our religious convictions, to our faith. We had to get uh, paperwork sent from them. Um, they they did a they did it in such a way that it was challenging in that you had three days to respond to certain emails and answer questions pertaining to your faith. Uh, for instance, over a holiday weekend. So nobody, you know, if if you were off. You know, we, my schedule as a flight attendant is such that I can be on for seven days and off for 10. So if you're not checking your corporate mail during a holiday weekend, you may have missed the boat on that. And, and fortunately, um, I, I didn't, I, I had a friend say, hey, watch your email for this. It looks like stuff is coming through. And, and I was able to submit on time, but um, they made it extremely challenging to, to go through this process. And um, it's something that it feels absolutely discriminatory. Um, like I said, I, I, I can't think of any other group that has been asked to um, have another person swear or test to their their particular group. Yeah, that seems to be sort of a consistent theme with your group of plaintiffs in, in filing for religious exemptions. Kip, I want to bring you in on the conversation. Uh, first of all, thank you for your service. You were at the Air Force for, for a number of years as a pilot fighter. Um, and also, you've been with United for how many years? 23 years. 23 years, okay. And as you said uh, previously in, in our pre-interview, this is not your first rodeo in terms of vaccinations. Explain, explain to the audience how that came about, because that's back in the 1990s having to do with the anthrax when after 9-11, there was the anthrax scares. And then I know going into Gulf One, anthrax vaccinations um, were given to people that were going into the Gulf. And then they wanted to make it mandatory for everybody in the military. What happened in the 1990s? Well, in 1999, uh, that edict came to our unit with uh, the requirement to get an anthrax vaccine. I was in a command position at that time, and uh, I chose just to kind of chill and, and wait and see what happened and so in the meantime others under my command had been getting the shot uh, that particular shot and um, they were coming to me and explaining to me the harms that they had had done to them by that vaccine and so i could not in good conscience uh, mandate to the folks that i was leading to take that at the expense of their health and not everyone had uh, adverse reactions but quite a few did and so, and I also didn't want to ruin my own God-given health or put it at risk uh, to continue to do what I was doing. So I chose not to take that vaccination and I was uh, relieved of command. I was told that I would either get the vaccination or resign. So I resigned and uh, left the Air Guard and Within a month or two, ironically, I was hired by United Airlines. And so fast forward to 2021, and here we are 20 years later, uh, I'm facing the same dilemma. Do I submit to this time a uh, experimental gene-based therapy as opposed to a, a 
uh, anthrax, what what I thought was a vaccination in the in the, the true sense of a vaccination. But now I'm, I'm faced with the experimental gene-based therapy, and it, it was an easy decision for my wife and I. Obviously, it's a joint decision, and uh, so I chose not to take that one either. I applied much like Brenda did, same process, applied for the religious uh, exemption or religious accommodation. Reasonable accommodation process, religious exemption is what I applied for. And uh, that was approved, but like Brenda was saying, I also had to find someone to attest to my sincerely held religious beliefs. And so my wife uh, attested to that because she's been on this journey with me the whole time. So this is not my first rodeo. This is not the first time I've been faced with this. Um, after what happened with the anthrax vaccine, it changed our lifestyle to always live below our means because you never just never know when the next shoe is going to fall. And so it fell and, uh, and I was put out on the street as an accommodation for my sincerely held religious beliefs. You know, it's so extraordinary too, uh, because when I've interviewed some of you, um, one of your colleagues decided to retire because he found out afterwards that when you were all put on unpaid leave, if you if you were lucky to get your religious exemption, you were going to be put on unpaid leave for about six months or so, and that you were not going to have access to your 401k, even if you had some hardship, financial hardships along the way, your, your benefits, your medical, your life insurance, your dental, your vision uh, insurance. All of that was going to be on hold, and yet you weren't fired, so you couldn't apply for unemployment. And even though some of you have been fired, they're still not getting unemployment benefits. I mean, Kip, what do you think about this from a from a commander's position? I mean, this this is when you're you're you know in the military, you're looking out for your fellow man, and it, with United the policy is such of how, how do we coerce these people to do what we want them to do? It's just dis disappointing. I think another one of the interviewers used that word. It, it doesn't surprise me, but it's disappointing. Uh, you know, we spend a lot of time away in this business. We spend a lot of time away from our, our families and our homes. And, um, and we, we sacrifice a lot to do what we do, to go where they want us to go, when they want us to go there. Although we do have latitude to bid on where we go and when we go, but sometimes you don't get those bids. So over the course of years, uh, we miss events with our families, we miss events with our kids, important dates, uh, milestones, if you will. And then to, to turn around and just be summarily said, well, you know, this is how we're going to accommodate you, is by giving you an indefinite unpaid leave of absence. So I really never knew, I never expected in my own mind to, to come back to United because indefinite meant indefinite. I had no idea how long this would go on or where the road would lead. But I did uh, feel strongly about uh, my God-given health, as I said. And I, I, as others have done, we can always find other jobs, but we can't get other health. That's true. That's true. Um, but in, in looking at the fact that Scott Kirby, who's the CEO of United, and, and he's a, he went to the Air Force Academy. Do you, I mean, does, does it, I mean, it's more than disappointing, isn't it? It is. I would think coming from a service academy, he would have a higher moral guide. But uh, 
you know, men are men or mankind is mankind. And, uh, you know, we all have uh, different outlooks on things. We, and we're all, we're all born with a sin nature. And that manifests itself in different ways in different people. Brenda, what are you hearing from, from your flight attendant colleagues now that you're back? You know, we, we don't have a lot of conversations because um, one of the extreme challenges, if you will, when this whole thing started, and, and if I may add a little bit to what you were talking with Kip about, um, I, I didn't fly the entire time during 2021. Almost for, I would say, a good 12 months. I would take a couple months on, a couple months off. And I really took to heart that, you know, I have elderly parents, so I wanted to be mindful of being around them. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't, they didn't get, give us credit for taking our own health and our own circumstances seriously. Um, and so I would fly and um, during the time that they gave us leaves, we were able to keep all of those benefits that you spoke about. So it's quite interesting that I took my personal health um, and the people around me, you know, I was very careful about showing up for work and, you know, wearing masks that they required and gloves that they recommended and, and being, um, you know, very disciplined about that. But then when they've made a decision about um, giving me a religious exemption and being unvaxxed, I was no longer that responsible individual anymore. And so all of those benefits were taken away. But as far as what I'm hearing from flight attendants during that period, um, it was extremely challenging. I would fly with people who would have, you know, flight attendants, we have a lot of time, sometimes have downtime in the galleys and there's chatter that happens. And it was not uncommon for me to hear things like, um, I hope I hope those that won't get the jab die, they deserve it. Um, I'm sorry if I get emotional as I, I say this, it was, it was okay. extremely challenging. Um, I had, I, I, and I've lost a lot of friendships because I, it's, it's hard to want to maintain a friendship with someone that you can't trust to share with them what you're going through, but also to, to have them say, you know, if you don't get the jab, you don't keep the job. And, and if, I, if I had a dime for every time I heard that over the course of the pandemic, I would easily have been able to retire at this point. But um, it, I make light of it, but it was extremely challenging. So what do I hear from flight crews now? I don't because the, the airlines created, United created such a toxic environment for us to have conversations with our peers about this, that we stopped having these conversations. And really, and I'm sure Kip will attest to this, communication on an aircraft is critical. You know, mm -hmm. when I feel that I cannot bond with my fellow crew members, I'm, I'm extremely aware of that. I, I know that I have to somehow communicate with them without talk, you know, hitting any of those talking points that might trigger, you know, some of those reactions and comments that I heard in the previous months flying. Kip, what's a cockpit like? You're a captain. You fly these planes. What's so, I mean, what is, what, what you know, there's, I, I remember uh, August of 2022, I was testifying before uh, some Australian politicians and one of the other witnesses was a Qantas airline pilot. And he said very emphatically, that the politicians needed to understand that the skies were not safe. That um, during the landings and takeoffs, if something happens in the cockpit because of a vax injury with the captain or the co-pilot, co that in fact, there may not be enough time. And so it's not just one person that could be injured. It might be, you know, two or 300 people, passengers on the plane. 
So, I mean, what, what, are, what are the conversations like in the cockpit? Because I know for a fact that some of, some of the pilots have been vaccinated. I don't have that conversation because just like I want to keep my own vaccination status private, it's a private matter, it's a personal mm -hmm. matter. I don't feel the need or the right to ask those questions of others uh, when I don't want them asked of me. To give you a background, I know we're marked. There's got to be a list out there somewhere because uh, I was on a crew bus one time and uh, this person that I didn't even know identified me as a non-vaxxed person. And I know on our monthly schedules, we were marked on our monthly schedules as ULA, which means unpaid leave of absence, which you put two and two together, uh, that translates to unvaxxed. And so those are some of the issues that I have in terms of you know, I, I go to work, I do my job. I don't have that discussion because that's one of the reasons that I moved to the left seat is because I wanted to be there and, and, and knowing that I am not vaxxed and I don't have any adverse reactions to uh, that experimental gene-based therapy that was passed out. So it sounds as if you've all been segregated, discriminated, basically harassed, um, you've had the spotlight put on you. And yet, Brenda, as, as you noted in the pre-interview, the policy at United is for the DEI, the inclusivity, diversity, and yet you're being signaled out because of your faith. Absolutely. It, it's, it's mind boggling to me um, on many of our corporate communications and even out in the media, United wants to be known um, as very inclusive. In fact, I, I've seen it written several times that DEI is in our DNA and they want to be a global leader in diversity, equity, inclusion. It's just not all peoples, not people of faith, perhaps. Like I, I can tell you, um, one of the people in our lawsuit is Kate Gibo, and she's in charge of human resources. And even she has put out memos talking about inclusivity and um, diversity, but she was the person leading the fight for us to um, have to jump through the hoops and put all of our, put so much together for the religious exemptions. Um, so even our CEO was on record as saying um, that people who suddenly found religion weren't going to be included. So they weren't to be given the religious exemption. So there's a lot of um, talk about being a very DEI forward company, but it's very specific who actually falls into that category. And I don't believe people of faith are included in that. Is Scott, when did Scott Kirby make that remark and that I've heard so often that he said, you know, about finding your religion all of a sudden, did he say that publicly or was that, was that just to the employees? Um, I believe it was on a communication to employees. It's pretty it, astounding. It, it's, pretty, it was, it's a pretty astounding for, for a, a CEO to say something like that. Yeah, I remember watching it after um, the video of him saying that after they had made an announcement that they were mandating the vaccine, um, but before we had um, started, before I had started any process of of researching religious exemption and that sort of thing. So um, I just remember thinking that that was a very bold statement um, because people of faith, you know, I, I hope I interact with someone today that, you know, ha 
is, is more faith-based because we have a conversation, we have a connection, we pray together. So to tell someone they can't find religion is, is, is ridiculous to me. Well, if, if, it, if it helps anybody to understand just how crazy this has been for the last three years, in uh, mid-February 2021, the Office of Faith-Based in the Biden White House held a, held a, uh, a call, and I was on that call. Uh, it was not open to the press, but I decided to get on the call anyway. And I heard from my own, from their lips to my ears, that they wanted to uh, have faith-based leaders get married to black community leaders and unions, and they were unspecified at the time. And they wanted the churches that had been closed in 2020 to reopen because they were places of trust in the community. Their words, not mine. And they wanted them to host COVID shots. Why? Because they wanted, they wanted the, the, the location for the injections to be a church because that would validate the COVID vaccinations. So there has been a skew of how they have used faith around this issue as a charade. So this is this is not surprising to me of how you would be marked inside a corporate culture and have somebody you know flippantly basically question somebody's faith. Um, it, it's, it's a sad commentary about what's, what's going on in this country because um, people should be have, should have the choice of doing what they want in terms of their medical autonomy. Kip, is there, is there anything that people need to know um, that you have learned going through this process of, of deciding to, you know, you, you fought one fight against anthrax, now you're in the fight, you know, you find yourself 23, later, 23 years later, you know, coming up against this at United. What, what, if, what can you tell your co-plaintiffs and the public of what this is like? Well, it, it was really hard uh, the first time with the anthrax vaccine because I was doing something that I loved and uh, my wife says I was made to do. And uh, so that was much tougher than this time because this time, like I mentioned at the beginning of the interview, it was kind of a no-brainer. I'd been through it once. Uh, trust your instincts. Stand firm. You know, is what the word tells us, to stand firm. And after you've done everything you can do, to stand. And so there comes a point where we have to stand um, against these sorts of in, inputs into our life. Um, and, and that's not for everyone. I mean, we're a small group compared to how many uh, employees there are at United. We're a, just a tiny fraction, but uh, we feel strongly enough about this issue to press forward and to stand. With your military background, do you believe that this is winnable? This is you know, a winnable one, fight just pushing back against one, the mandates. One thing I've learned over the over the course of my life is there is a justice system and there's a legal system. And oftentimes they don't cross paths. And so if it were a this is a just fight. You know, we talk about in warfare a uh, just war. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is a just fight. Uh, so many people have been injured. So many people's livelihoods have been shattered. So many uh, folks have gone through such turmoil in their lives that it, it's not the way that we're supposed to treat each other in the constitutional republic that is enshrined in our constitution. 
many of these items are, are I think, unconstitutional. Um, some of them violate uh, codes that were established 80 years ago when we were at war with uh, other states where the government colluded with big business. And so I think it's a just fight and um, we'll see if justice is served. Brenda, is there anything else you want to add to this conversation that you want people to know? No, I would piggyback on what Kip said. Um, I, I, I wouldn't change the, this path if I was given a do-over. Um, I, I feel strongly about standing up. But I, I think there's not enough of us who are coming forward and saying this is enough, never again. Um, it, it's, a, it's an important fight to have, and, and I'm honored to be alongside my coworkers here and those that are no longer working, but still my, um, my partners. Because uh, I, I think it's important that, that we take a stand, as, as Kip mentioned. The more of us that do take a stand, the more people that are going to feel compelled to stand alongside us and understand they're not alone. And so even though I had reservations about coming up, coming on today, um, sharing my message, I'm, I'm grateful to you for, for asking these questions and, and for giving us a voice. Because more of us that do this, I think it will empower others to do the same. I firmly believe that because we we um, interviewed a lot of vaccine injured in 2021, and it took me six months to get them on camera. But I think it's very important that people know that there are people out there who are willing to lead because it really is about moral leadership and 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 having having the, the courage to step forward and take the bricks. How do people help you? Because this is going to be an expensive, uh, you know, lawsuit. What, what are the the, uh, the URLs that everybody can contribute for? Who's got that handy? You got give, send, go forward slash wings for liberty. And you've got life thunder, all one word, life thunder forward slash wings for liberty and justice are two places where they can contribute. And well, we would very well, much appreciate, we would very much appreciate their constitution or their contributions, excuse me, uh, because United is a big entity and we're not. So that would be very well, nice. you're a force. You're a force to be reckoned with, and I and I think that what you're doing is very, very important because if if this if people are not held accountable, this will happen again. They planned. They they are planning, and this is not you know there's nothing. It's not conspiratorial. They are planning for a mandated seasonal COVID vaccination, gene therapy, ongoing, just like the flu, only mandated. And with mRNA, so this this is important that people understand. This rodeo is not over. This is in motion, and they need to support the Wings for Liberty and Justice lawsuit. So thank you both for coming on, sharing your story, and I'll just put this on the record. If you get any if you get any feedback from these guys, negative or otherwise, give me a call after you call your attorney, because we'll, we'll rebook you and let them know that we're not going away. God bless you for doing this. Thank Thanks, you, Christine. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and effort in our in our path. You're you're more than welcome.